And you're listening to 3ABR. 87.6 FM, the wellness couch. And what a great show we've gone on tonight. Fantastic. Three women we've got on who have actually faced adversity and overcome it and become very resilient. And we'll talk to them um, about how they've done that. On the phone at the moment, I've got Heather Moore, our first female um, person to talk to us about our story. How are you going, Heather? Oh, good. Thanks, Kat. How are you all going down there? Great to have you on the wellness couch. Thank you for being on here. Um, very oh, brave to... Thank you to uh, recount your story, darling. Okay, so when life knocks you down, what do you do? What did you just do? Oh, when life knocked me down, I just, I really had to just pick myself up. When you've got three kids that just need you, and I I was one of those, I just didn't want to be not be there for them at the end of when they finished school, and I wanted to be able to send them off every morning to school. So I had to make a lot of big decisions because in 2014, my world changed forever. So my late husband, Bernie, woke up with a headache that increasingly got worse. So after a visit to his GP and blood tests, they were none the wiser why these headaches were happening. It was quite a mystery. Yeah. He was sent off for a CT of his brain, uh, brain just to work out what was going on because as I said, they had absolutely no idea because everything of his blood came back normal. So with this scan, as soon as he got under the little machine, they went, stop. With this man, needs to go to an MRI. Yeah. And after that, they discovered he had eight tumours on his brain. Yes, I remember that. Further scans then revealed he had one on his lung and then smaller ones around his pituitary gland as well. And then eventually they did, I think it's a lumbar puncture, one on the lung to work out um, what sort of cancer he had. And I remember friends saying to me, oh, it sounds like lung cancer, if that's what the doctor's saying. At least it's not melanoma, Heather. At least it's not melanoma. And then all of a sudden the diagnosis come back, Heather and Bernie, it's melanoma. Heather, is that the time you curl up into a ball? What yeah, happened that's to you? Seriously, time. what happened to you then? I mean, how oh, does that hit look, you? Uh, honestly, we our world just came crashing around. Every time we went to our ophthalmologist or our, our um, cancer specialist, he just kept saying, you know, the news just kept getting worse and worse. And Bernie had turned into one of these big, massive swearing machines. He was just, he just. He just couldn't believe it. He was so angry. And we were just together, just absolutely gobsmacked. We had no idea what we were going to be faced with. Because you had a pretty much a fairy tale life too. You two were quite well suited. You had three beautiful kids. You were looking forward to um, changing your future as well. Um, we were, yeah. We'd gotten together when I was 20. Um, and that at that moment that he was diagnosed, about two months before he had sold his business and we were looking into doing a rural change selling out, getting the kids out of the city, out of the rat race and, and going to live somewhere in the country. And that just couldn't happen because it, it just couldn't eventuate with that diagnosis. Yes, okay. So we spent the next 15 months just trying to stop this beast. We always told the kids and we were sort of advised to not to tell the kids too much. So we just said that Daddy was in hospital to help with his headaches and that's all they knew. So just to try and protect them as well because when you've got three little humans who are only, well, I think they were five, uh, eight and 11 at the time. So they were quite young, quite, you know. So that's pretty difficult because you're trying to master your emotions and yet you've got three little ones who you're looking after as well, trying to, t- trying to balance them as well. Balance their lives. I still remember two days after yeah. he'd come home from his first... I think, no, actually, it was two days after he'd come home from his diagnosis. You know, we'd left the GPs and I had to go to a Barbie high tea and I thought, no, I'm going to this Barbie high tea. Tess is going to this Barbie high tea by high or by horse. We are getting there no matter what. So off we trotted to this Barbie high tea two days after we found out he's got cancer. And she had the best time and I wanted to make sure she did because I didn't want to stop those memories yeah. from happening. Yes. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's going to test anybody's strength as well. So... Um what choices did you make that, that help you? Like I, I watched you, you know, like my heart was beating like outside of itself when I was watching you. I, I just didn't know what to say or do. It was just absolutely amazing just, um, you know, observing. Uh, you were so full of grace and uh, so balanced during that time. 
as well. Oh, it was just absolutely amazing. Seriously, you were so inspiring because I was almost falling oh, to pieces. Look, you know, I, I, I just wanted to make sure that for Bernie as well, that he knew that I could be his rock. He needed... he. He needed that support. I wanted him to be able to let go and just and just get on with doing what he had to do and make sure that I was there doing it with him and that that he was always going to know that I was going to be there by his side no matter what um, and that I was going to and I pretty much took, and I took over. I was making decisions for him because I didn't want him to have to make them. At times we obviously made them together, but I wanted to make sure that you know he could just sit back. Why? You know, I sort of tried to make sure that everything was done and look after him as well. And that, that worked as well because it kept me busy it kept and kept the kids sort of on track as well. Yeah, so continue your story. So he um, only... We only spent 15 months trying to stop this beast. He had two back-to-back brain surgeries many rounds of immunotherapy and finally we had a last effort that he endured only two rounds of chemo and I still remember you saying oh no not the chemo and mm. then he was declared palliative with no more options because he just could not take those two rounds of chemo that was only 12 months literally almost to the day of finding out he had cancer and then he lived four months palliative at home so um I looked after him at home for four months, and he most sometimes he was actually quite well. He was, but yeah. it was challenging as well at times. Yeah, his cancer would start to take over his body and his mind. At times, he could be quite. Uh, some, we had some pretty funny moments as well, and you have to take those. You have to take those. Always quite and funny. Grab them. Always yeah, had a sense exactly. of humour. He even said to me, yeah. I think one of the things that lasted with me, the impressions was he actually said to me that he didn't feel like he was dying. Yeah, exactly. or that he was going to die. Didn't. No. No, he didn't. And he wasn't prepared to die either. He just didn't want to. And that was always the hardest thing. When we had to say goodbye, was knowing that that's not what he wanted to do, but his body just had to let go. Um, and I think that's a pretty brave thing to do as well. I think it's a very brave thing for him to, to do as well. Um, and it, and I hated that, obviously, that that had happened. But I remember thinking, he's not, he's, he's not unwell anymore. Hopefully he's free and he's happy, even though inside me, my heart was just ripping to shreds. Yeah. Do you think it was, um, was it a choice for you on how you chose to react when that adversity yeah. striked? Did yeah, you make a choice? I think it is. Yeah. You do make a choice. I believe you make a choice. Um, sometimes that choice is hard, but I think once you can make that choice, like I decide, I believe that it was, you know, you can still, you're allowed to be happy. You can be sad, but you're also allowed to be happy. And, and if you allow yourself that, as they say, you know, when things in change you, when things inside you change, good things can happen. Um, and I allowed that to happen as well because you, you can't live life in the past. It can shape you and it can make you a better person, but you can't live there. Yeah, so I noticed that you really develop a lot of grace and resilience um, and balance. So a lot of people say that you develop your courage, um, you know, by surviving difficult times and, and challenging those adversities. What steps do you think that, you know, that you took that, that made you an actual better person in, in such a traumatic time? Um, oh, look, I I made sure that I, I took care of myself as well. Yeah, great. So, I, I did the right things. I made sure that I spoke to somebody and I, I and I didn't take it lightly. I made sure I spoke to a psychologist because, you know, I'm not I'm not someone who I wasn't infallible. So I needed to make sure that I was looking after myself and I had my safe space. And it, through that, it allowed me to be outside in the real world because going through all of this, I didn't have my parents with me. My um, my mother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's during his diagnosis. You so had a double whammy. Die. Yeah, you had a double whammy. I too. did. Yeah, yeah. And my father had taken his own life back in two thousand and three. So obviously, I couldn't rely on my parents at the time, and that was not through any fault of their own because my mum died three weeks after Bernie had died through up with Alzheimer's. It that was, was, just, crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, <laughs> oh, crazy time, crazy, crazy times, crazy times, and. I, you know, there'd be times where I just wanted to give up, but I remember thinking, no, yeah. no, not for you, not for the kids. I was Keep falling apart watching you. I was falling yep. apart watching you. I know. Yeah, and I just kept one foot in front of the other. I'd turn up with 
school pick up, like drop off kids, I'd pick up kids, we'd go to Taekwondo, we'd go to dancing, let's just keep the show, you know, I was basically like, let's keep the ball rolling. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't easy, but I don't know, sometimes you just sort of think, well, no, I've had harder times, let's just move on. So what steps would you tell someone who's in a very similar situation, um, you know, exposed to a very similar situation in order to develop that resilience? I mean, it's so hard to tell someone what to do in those situations. It is, we're all different. We're all different humans. But I take those times and think, it's okay. You're allowed to have your, your, your sad times and it's okay to grieve. But don't make that about who you are. Allow yourself to be who you want to be or who you would have been. You know, if, the, if any of this hadn't happened, that can't stop you from being that person or it can't stop you from changing from the person that you were. That's okay. Evolving. We can all evolve. I've changed so many times over these last few years and I think finally I've become, in the last probably, probably five years, I've become someone who is comfortable with themselves. I don't sweat the small stuff. I was going to say, how has it changed you for the better? I don't sweat the small stuff. I yeah. don't get involved with drama. I, you know, if I see it, I move away from it. It's just not part of who I am, and it, and it doesn't actually help at all. I do things I enjoy. I've taken up running. I still look after the kids, and and I decided that I needed a, a career as well that fulfilled me in a way, and also helped with my kids. And I managed to to do a cert for in education support and obtain a job, work hours that suit me and I love my job. And it just, it's a matter of taking time out for yourself as well and realising that, yes, you have kids and you have friends, but don't forget you because they can't take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself. That is amazing because I mean, a lot of people say learning to deal with and overcome adversity is what actually builds people's character and resilience and every challenge and every Difficulty we successfully confront in life serves to strengthen our will, confidence and ability to conquer future obstacles. And I can really see that growth and the expansion in you. I really can. So tell us oh. about part two. <laughs> so part two, I, after, you know, finding, working out what I really needed to do, I decided I didn't want to be alone. There would be a time where the kids, they're going to fly the nest eventually. And I didn't want to be at home alone. Um... And so I put myself out there and I met a wonderful man named Simon who at the time was living two hours away in Camperdown. So we decided to give it a go and we had sort of a, what you call, I suppose, a long-distance relationship, which worked <laughs> very well for us. It worked yeah. very well. Cause <laughs> it gave you that respite and, and that, that, uh, it did, yeah, and it that you needed. And it gave yeah. him that chance because yeah. he was a bachelor. He had never experienced children, <laughs> never experienced a dog, never experienced a cat. It was like, was, you came with a whole package, you, the dog and the cat. Like, yeah. Oh, I know, I came with the whole package. But, you know, he, he we, you know, we fell in love and... And here I am now in a beautiful home that we've built together, sold up where I lived, had to make a decision for Oscar to do his VCE here in, in Camperdown that was not made lightly and discussed. But, you know, he's flourished as well. And we're living in this beautiful part of Victoria that I just, I wake up every morning and I see the sunrise yeah. and I come out <laughs> and I see the sunset and I love it. Yeah, so when you respond positively and constructively like you have to your biggest challenges, um, your qualities are strength, courage, character, perseverance, and even grace. You know, I've seen you emerge from deep inside you. I've really noticed that. Um, yeah. I've also been really fortunate that Bernie's family, uh, they've always been an amazing support to me and the kids, and that hasn't stopped. You know, they, they have supported me and encouraged me, and now Simon's family do the same. So I'm just, I just feel extremely lucky that and fortunate as well, and I... And I make sure that I grab hold of that. Like I'm lucky to be able to love in the present, but still have love, love in my heart for both Bernie and Simon and all the people that I, that have helped me and supported me and continue yeah. to support me. Yeah. Now, look. Of course, we're we're humans, so you know we we very easy to get caught up in the self pity and the unfairness of life and why me traps. You know. I mean. You yep. know, it's only human when you think that. But um, when we do, we actually fail to recognise the, I think, the opportunities for wisdom and growth that accompany that that adversity. And when you were in that situation, in that traumatic, um, you know, because, I mean, you had like a double whammy as well. Did yep. you ever see that there was light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, I did. You know, I, wow. knew, okay. I, I knew I had to, I knew that 
that the grief was there and I did not and I felt awful pity I felt like times where I just wanted to curl up in a ball and just yeah. not yeah. go on but I knew that it couldn't go on you couldn't I couldn't live like that so how do you, you know. how do you let go of that self defeating and, and those unproductive thoughts you know that that do get you down and, and you I start dealing of, with what's before you you know how, how do you do that and I did a lot of I suppose almost like I suppose mindfulness for myself yeah. I I practiced and it sounds very corny, but I practiced waking up and saying, what am I grateful for today? Yeah, great. And I did it yeah. every day, only because I knew that that's a good way to get out of this. So I wake up, what, if, what, what, what am I grateful for today? I've Was that hard up. for you, yes, I, knowing that yeah. while you're in that, you know, because I mean, when you go through trauma, um, you can, yep. you go through a period where your thoughts are very unclear as well, because there's so many uh, biological chemicals, uh-huh. you know, that are affecting the way you think. So exactly. was that easy the for blur. you? Yeah, the blur. The blur. And it, the blur and, and, and sometimes that blur can still come, but, you know, I feel like I'm strong enough now to overcome it and I am strong enough to overcome it. Yeah. And I think it's okay and it's important to actually almost embrace the blur and, and, and embrace the fact that you feel so low because when you come out of it, you think, my goodness, I've just, what have I come out of? And I just feel that you can, you will come out of it. And I did. So you really built your internal resources, didn't you? I did. I made sure that I was looking after myself and that, you know, whether it be a run or a walk or for me at times it was punching a boxing bag. Yeah, yeah. If that's what I had to do, then that's what I had to do. Yeah. What do, what do you think your, um, uh, when that adversity hit, what did you think you cultivated the strongest, like the emotional strength, like courage or discipline or what were you aware that intensified as part of your personality? Probably my courage, I think. Yeah. I yeah. was taking risks that I would never have taken before. You know, I was doing things that I had was doing on my own that I had never done before. And it was a matter of taking that leap of faith of saying, okay, Bernie's died. We had planned a holiday with the kids. Now, Heather, take that holiday. We need it. We need it. Um, and so I took the kids away for the first time on my own. And I'm thinking, right, <laughs> I've done this. I can do it again. So it's all those firsts that you have to do on your own and you think, okay, you're strong enough to do that. That's okay. Yeah, it's like a warrior <laughs> going into battle. Yeah, you're preparing yeah, yourself exactly. physically, mentally for any possibility. So, Heather, how do you look yep. on, on to your future now with, with what you've gone through and that trauma you've got to and, you know, you're building your, your resilience and courage? Um, what do you foresee, like, in your future? What does it look like for you? Oh, uh, Kat, uh, it looks bright. Honestly, it does. There will be times of grief, but I'm... Strong enough, and I have enough courage to let, allow them to be because it, you still it's a, it's okay. But I'm strong enough to actually live with it. I know I have I know life is for living, and my future. What I see is you know I've got kids who are planning their careers, who are planning their jobs, and Simon and I are planning on you know what what are we going to do when the kids fly fly the coop? You know, fly the coop. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, holiday, holiday, holiday. Mm-hmm. We'll never be home during school yeah. holidays. <laughs> Um, and enjoy life, you know. That's what we're all about, you know. Get into—he likes—he's getting into the garden at the moment, and I'm still running. And I, you know, I love to do some cooking for him, make sure that he's looked after it when he goes and works. And the same with the kids. I like to bake on a Sunday. I bake them, make sure they've got a bake snack. It's just—it's—it's it's normal life. It's what I consider it to be normal. What life should be just normal normality. Absolutely amazing. So you've been so inspiring. I've, I've watched your path and you've been so inspiring. Um, you know, that type of adversity can really crush people. But on the other hand, you've you've just developed such sufficient resilience. Um, you're so inspiring. Um, <laughs> it's almost not. You've really oh. got your wings. You've really, you've really you. um, got your wings. You really have. Or you super coat. You and, really do. And, and I had so much support between you and, and Brett as well and just all my friends down where I've come from and coming up here I've made new friends and they sort of look and say, Wow and look and look at you and I say, Yeah, and you can still live you can still live through it and you can still be happy. It's okay to be happy. Yeah. It's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, darling, I've got my next caller online. Um, yep. thank you so much for coming online and uh, really telling a story about overcoming adversity, you know, and making it into opportunity. Thank you so much. Really appreciate uh-uh. that. Thank, thank you, Kat. Thanks fantastic. for sharing my story. Great friend. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much, Heather. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Kathy Lampy. Hello. Hello. How are you? Now, you've got a great story to tell about your health, haven't you? 
I have got a great story to talk about my health and how it made me the person I am today. Now, let me give a little bit of an introduction about you. Okay, so you're a mindset specialist, fantastic. And this was after what happened to you, and you're proud founder and CEO of Amazing Minds Australia. So you've got a real passion towards helping others, and and you're really driven to where you are today because of what's happened to you. Um, Oh, 100%. Yeah, master hypnotherapist, holistic counselling, NLP practitioner, um, certified life coach, transformation coach, master Reiki practitioner. Tell tell us about your story, your health story first. Oh, goodness. So, okay. So my health story began when I was 18 years old and I had cervical cancer. And then I would, had my first daughter when I was 20 years old and she passed away after she was born. And then I ended up with a hysterectomy after having my youngest son at the age of 24. And then I had liver cancer. I had half my liver removed due to a tumour. And I thought that that was the end of it for me. Well, I didn't know that part. And, oh, well, there no. you go. No. So there, there was obviously a lead up to, to something bigger to happening because I believed that um, in my genes, I had heart disease, I had cancer. So I become the victim of self-sabotage. Why me? Why me? It's got to happen to me. It's destined to happen. And so you thought so, genetically that you're programmed ab- for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So my mindset was, I'm waiting for it. So at the age of 40, I had my very first heart attack. And if that wasn't enough, I still didn't listen to what was going on with my body. So what was going on with your body? What was going on? My environment. My environment, um, the the way I was living my life, my mindset, what I believed. uh, I believed that because I had this illness in my family was destined to happen to me, absolutely destined to happen to me. So they say that's um, only 3% now. They say epigenetics, which, like you said, is your environment, the way you think, the way you feel, what you eat and what you're exposed yep. to is actually what absolutely. actually turns absolutely. on your genes or turns them off. Yep. And so my environment, I was self-sabotaging. I become the victim. I started eating myself to death because I'm sick anyway. Poor me, poor me, the victim, the victim. And um, it was basically my whole life was just about pleasing others and not listening to what my wants and needs were. And the consequences of that was a heart attack. So your body's trying to wake you up, yeah. Yep, and I didn't listen the first time. I made some changes, minor changes, and then I met this beautiful woman called Cass, and (laughs) you really woke me up to a lot of things. Um, And... But I did have a second and a third heart attack and I just turned 50 in May last year and I have, I'm the owner of four heart stents and that's as far as they're going to go. Um, and I really, really have changed every single bit of my lifestyle now. What have you changed? So, so oh. I want to know the why too. What made okay. you change finally? I mean, the first time you didn't really adhere the call, what made okay. you change the second time? Because I was still self-sabotaging. I was still finding myself as a victim. And but then, what made you change? What, what was your why? My why was did, I... Did you have to have enough pain to, to actually I, the, feel I need pain, to change? The pain wasn't enough. Yes. I had to listen and to, to me and I had to really go and soul search. And so I, I went and soul searched and I realised that it had to be about me. Life, I had to love me and I had no love. I had no self-worth. So I threw myself into study to find something better to me, to make myself better. And look at all and that study out- and, and, and <laughs> add value to our that, world. A hundred percent. Like the outcome of that, I took action. I made myself accountable. I made peace with the heart disease. And that was one big thing. I had to make peace with heart disease. I had to make peace with myself. I had to make myself accountable and say, you know, nobody made you have this. You did it to yourself. And this is what are you going to do to make change? How do you get to that level of awareness, though? Because some people don't actually have that level of awareness. Okay, I was in a really dark place. I was in a really, Mm -hmm. really dark Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And I, I had two options, and those two options were fight or flight. And I wanted to live. I have 
three beautiful children. Yes, you do. Who, you know, make every bit of my blood go through my yes, body. Yes. And, and my husband, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if that's not enough, what is, you know. But the so most that's your why. Is, there you go. You couldn't why. do it for yourself. So you found your why. Because you, yeah. were, you were harming the people in your life as well. Not making that change was harming other people. Yep. And I embraced the situation and I refused to let it beat me. And I found what my purpose was. You did. And my purpose was not only to heal me, but to heal others. So adversity forced my hand. It forced my hand to make change. And, you know, now... I've become resilient. I've become empowered. You've actually believed in yourself. I think that was your first step. That was a belief in yourself. Um, So so don't let anything or anyone make you question your belief in yourself. Never again. And and that is what, on a day-to-day basis, with women all around the world, I I work with to to remind them, you know, that they're not their past and they're not their mistakes. They're not their failures. They're who they decide to be. And yeah. that's what I'm just passionate about. I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Because you've been in so much pain that you've actually got up, you've dragged yourself off the ground. And you know that when that adversity that hit you, I mean, with most people, it's easy for our self-esteem to take a massive blow. But you need to realize that you are not defined by your challenges. So oh, adversity is, yeah. isn't a part of your identity. It's merely just that experience that you're going through. And I saw yeah. that in you and you got up. Um, you know, like like when a child falls down and they just get up without questioning yep. and off you went and you just took off like a rocket. So yep. tell me about your part two, what's happened. Okay, so because of what my story, it's made me stronger today. And I have, you know, I've got clarity and I've got 100% of knowledge of who, what my purpose is. And my purpose now is I... I empower women to become the best versions of themselves, to find their authentic self. Yeah, beautiful. Once, you know, not just women, but men as well. You know, I've worked with men and women who have been through physical and mental abuse, um, who are feeling lost, who feel stuck, who have been through uh, illness. No matter what it is, what they've been going through, I help them see what I saw. Yeah, you know, and and that makes a major change for people. There's a real drop in your negative self-talk. So what you said about yourself, um, you know how what you say about yourself, you create your outcomes in life. Absolutely. Um, what you put out there, you're going to get right back out. Yeah, you, f- you really turned that around. Um, yeah. You really turned your inner critic around. Um, yeah. And... <clears throat> You know, like we talk about words and how powerful they are. And uh, I noticed even your talk, your language actually changed as well. Mm, mm. Well, maybe the person I'm today, my values changed, my beliefs changed, I've changed. You know, I wasn't going to let it, it wasn't going to break me. It was almost dead. And I I had two choices to give up. And or fight hard, and mine was to live or die, and I, I chose to live. And, and same thing, through yep. that, yeah. I, I refused to let it define me. I refused to allow it um, to to be any part of me. I see it for what it is, and I don't give it the energy it deserves. I love and that. I love that about you. You really, you've changed your story, and you don't let your story um, that your inner critic is trying to tell you dictate your choices. Instead, I've noticed that you focus on language mm. that is really empowering, positive. And it really inspires you to take action to change in your life. You're just a beacon for a lot of women, I've noticed. Oh, absolutely you know, beautiful. I just wish that, you know, I there's so many people out there who are suffering in silence. And they need to know that they don't need to. I did until this beautiful angel called you come into my <laughs> life. And just I will still never forget that day. Just, it, it changed. I was just and your mirror, darling. I was just your yeah. mirror. Seriously. Absolutely. You always Absolutely. had that inside you. I was just your mirror, just mirroring who you actually are. Yeah. And look, you know, I, I'm just grateful uh, to have opportunity to, to help whoever wants to be helped. But the first decision they need to make is, do I want to be helped? 
Yeah, and a lot of people are very difficult on themselves. Um, You know, like when life knocks them down, they're very difficult. That self-inner critic is very very harsh on themselves. And so I think a lot of people should be, as you say, practice self-compassion, you know, show kindness and compassion um, towards yourself. That can go a really long way. Yeah, adversity can um, really change who you are or it can do the opposite. Like it's... Yes, you you said it in what your uh, when you put that post up that you curl up in the ball, yeah, or you can fight it, yes, and yeah. you know you've just got to not self sabotage. You've not got to become the victim um, because sadly there's too many victims out there, and I refuse. I'm not a victim. That is not beautiful. Not going to be a victim of it. It's really nope. beautiful. Yeah, so, look, you know, and, like, people, when they see me and hear my story, they go, oh, but, like, oh, your heart disease, you've got this, that. I go, you know what? I've got my eyes. I can see. I can hear. I can taste. I've got my arms. I've got my legs. What am I complaining about? What do you do Um, when people, um, you know, you're exposed to people like that that have such negative self-talk and you're just coming from a place where you've just overcome that and transitioned? What do you do with people like that? Okay, so one of... The most perfect uh, things I do with, especially with clients who I have, I I ask them to sit there and I ask them to close their eyes and I tell them to take three deep breaths and I tell them a little story. I want them to, to just pitch themselves in this story and it's a little three-minute story about an outcome of somebody who was just going out to get some milk and they were hit by a car. And they, you know, will never be able to walk again. They'll never be able to feed themselves again. Mm. And that person had just had a newborn baby. They'll never be able to hold or love Mm. or care for their child the way they deserve to. And then I asked them to take another three deep breaths and open their eyes and ask them, is your problem so bad? And they just go, oh, my God, I am so lucky. I don't know, you are so lucky. You know, sometimes we have to look a little bit further past the hills to see that there are people worse off than us. And I'm sitting here talking to you right now after having four heart attacks. And my first heart attack was a major, major one, Mm 99.9% blocked. Mm -hmm. And the doctor told me I was a hypochondriac and I was making up (sighs) in my mind and I I I, I was too young to have one. And I'm very lucky to be here and I'm grateful. You're meant to be here, darling, to add so much value to our world. I've got too many people out there to change their lives and make a difference. and, And I'm grateful for that every single day. Every single day. Yeah, if you dwell on the negative, you'll never be able to move forward. That's for sure because you just sit there um, encased in that negativity. Yeah. Okay, and you can't see the light. Um, (coughs) So when you're recovering from setbacks, do you speak to yourself like you would to a good friend that is going through hard times? I'm sorry? Would you speak to yourself like a good friend that is going through hard times when you're recovering from your setback? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm probably a little bit harder. Well, normally people are, and that's why I've asked that question, because yeah, there's no one harder than, than themselves. Yeah. Look, when I do get confronted with situations, I actually take myself into my sacred little space, and I sit there, and I I really think about it, and I I try to, again, does it deserve my energy? Does that that problem, that illness, that whatever it is, deserve me even entertaining it? No. So what are you going to do to make change? That is fantastic, yeah. You're changing Mm. your response. And that's how I always take a breath too. Like you stated, you always Mm. take a breath. And I always think, which is going to be my response? So, you know, when that adversity looms its ugly face, as it does with all of us in some fashion or other, how do you actually respond? And your response is what will determine how fast you are able mm. to bounce um, forward from that adversity. And if if not, what happens to you um, that matters? Rather, it's what you choose to do with that negative experience that that really um, yeah. is effective. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I cut so much out of my life, people included. And I just thought there is things in life which are more important. And then my family uh, were my everything. And then my initial 
circle who I chose to have a part of my life, yeah. I kept them in close. Okay. And, you know, I, I had to make choices. I had to let a lot of things go and a lot of people go and, you know, but at the end of the day, it was worth every moment. I love life now. And life's all about life. choices, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. can't always choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we respond to it, as they say. Yeah. yeah. I've been even writing ebooks and stories on how to pe- help people to cope, you know. And when I'm writing these ebooks, I feel like I'm writing, talking to a, spe- a certain person Great. who is going through something, and it's what I would say to them. And you know, my books are great. I love it. I, I get a lot of me out of that. Um, I find it very um, soothing and at the same time empowering and healing. And, and cathartic, I yeah. Just, yeah, I look, it's just life is great. Yeah. Life is great. So what's, what's one of the final things you would tell people that are going through adversity? Like um, I know that I'd always say don't react, rather be proactive and take ownership of your problems. And eventually take, you will find that adversities and hard times are just obstacles that you can and you will, as, as even two of these ladies on tonight actually have shown that you will overcome. Oh, 100% you will. If you want it and you want to focus your mindset on what you want, what you put out there is what you're going to get back. And the more you call yourself the victim or play the victim and why me and self-sabotage and keep yourself in an environment, you know, that's the outcome you're going to have. But if you flip the switch, and I went from really crappy I like that flip fabulous. the switch, yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you, you know, did. I flipped that switch. And, again, I, I am not my past. I am not my mistakes. I am not my failures. I am who I decide to be. And I'm committed to be the best version of myself. And that's what people have to do. I love that saying, yeah, about you. Be be who you want to be. Yeah, don't look back, darling. Girlfriend, you're not going that way. (laughs) No way. No looking back, girl. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good life. Life is good when you can think of it as at the end of every road, there is a rainbow waiting for you. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So what are the final pieces that you can say? Or if someone wants to get in contact with you, um, where can they find you? Because, I mean, you are a mindset specialist as well. Yeah. And after um, all that trauma that you've gone through, you've experienced it and you know what people are feeling. So you're oh, a great practitioner to actually see uh, as well because you've, you've really got and a lot I of compassion. My, yeah. Yeah. And I say to my clients, I'm not just somebody who has read a lot of books and done a lot of exams and studied a lot of hours. I'm somebody who has walked the walk. I know the pain, I felt the pain, but I've also come out of a much better, happier person, healthier person today. So, But they can find me if they're on um, social media at Amazing Minds Australia. All right, so where are you? You're on Facebook, Amazing Minds Australia. Where else can they find you? Um, well, I will be launching a website in the next week or two. Fantastic. I've, Great. Um, I've just moved to the fabulous St. Leonard's last week. Um, went, come back out of Melbourne to St. Leonard's for our final place. You're getting closer to me. <laughs> I know, darling. I know. You're getting closer. <laughs> Again, you know, I was called back here for a reason. So, But social media, you can definitely find me on um, at Amazing Minds Australia and or on my personal page at Kathy Lampy. So what courses are you holding to, honey? At the moment, I'm getting myself um, ready to start up and empowering you. It's all about you. Uh, program. I have uh, the Rescue Me uh, program, which is for women who have um, forgot about who they were uh, and let themselves go and get them back into who they should be, back mm. into the person who they love, who they can look in the mirror and say, well, that's me. I love me. I love who I am. They're authentic self. So I've got a lot of different things going on at the moment. I just needed to do my shift and then I'm putting all these wonderful programs out for everyone. Yeah, well, well, it's pretty obvious to me that every experience of adversity that you've gone through is designed to actually help you become a better version of yourself. You are an amazing um, and inspiring model to a lot of women and men, obviously, out there. So you really deserve your wings as well. Oh, thank you, darling. I much appreciate it and I'm so grateful again for you to walk into my life when you did that day. 
Okay. Thank you so much, darling. I've got the no next worries. caller. All right. Love okay. you. I'll speak Have to you soon. Bye-bye. Fiona Grace. <laughs> oh, my darling. Always love speaking to you. How, how's it going down there where you are or up there where you are? <laughs> it's good. The sun is out. I no more bet. torrential rain. I can't complain. <laughs> I bet. Fantastic. So I hope you're um, getting a bit of respite because you do work very difficult um, and adding so much value to a lot of people's lives. What about oh, your story, you. my darling? Let me go. Hang on a moment. You're a fully qualified naturopath with over 15 years' experience. Um, we actually met at uni, didn't we? And, um, we sure did. It's funny Long that you, yeah, it's funny that you went into MS um, when we went into those pathways. We were both in the same class, sitting right next to each other, learning about those pathways. We yeah, uh, <laughs> I really loved. Um, I was very inspired by sitting next to you. Fantastic. But look, you're a qualified naturopath. Um, you're over almost 20 years now, I'd say. Um, yeah. Um, and you actually specialise in supporting those that are diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And um, you've been like you've been um, quite a popular little girl. Like you're a team leader for Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's one of my favourites. Um, yeah. You're you've been on Nine AM with David and Kim Channel Ten on Room to Grow Channel Thirty One. Um, where haven't you been? Actually, you've been you've been quite good for our. Um, um, Association, yeah. Now, oh. you're an advanced student and team leader for Dr. Joe, so you've got a fantastic mindset, I know that. You practice meditation <laughs> for a minimum of two hours a day, but you've got a story of your own to tell. So mm. go ahead and tell it. <laughs> um, wow. So uh, You've really and... overcome adversity. Yeah, you really have. <laughs> It's funny, when you're in your body and it's your normal life, you don't see it that way. But I guess, you know, it's feedback I get from my patients all the time. So I guess in 2009, I got a, and it's interesting the way the universe works. I started to see a lot of MS patients in clinic. I was running a really busy clinic in um, Blackburn in Melbourne, Victoria, and I was super stressed and I was out riding my horse and I got a terribly bad migraine mm-hmm. um, and and with a visual aura then the visual aura never went away so a week later I turned it off to my doctor and he, and he, he was like oh we should probably run a CAT scan but because I was running the clinic I had an amazing osteopath there and because I had seen quite a few patients with MS we both looked at each other and we went I think this is MS so CAT scan showed nothing MRI doesn't, unfortunately does it sometimes. showed yeah doesn't always does it yeah. on the mitochondria no no, the old uh, the old uh, MRI did though, and so that was that news was delivered to me at about six thirty in the morning while I was plugging my horse up to go to a competition, and Excellent. they rang me and said, "Oh, by the way, your results are back. You've got MS." So, um, yeah, that was a pretty crappy Great. way. Great day. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful horses, by the way. <laughs> Gorgeous horses. Oh, my horses! Thank goodness. Well, mostly thank goodness for my horses. So. I guess that sent me off on a journey and I started doing lots of matter-to-matter stuff and changing my diet. And, and look, my disease initially progressed pretty quickly. I think they thought I had primary progressive. Um, yeah. But I sold the clinic, reduced my stress levels, did a massive overhaul of my diet. And I was um, really symptom-free. Um, I trekked into Mount Everest base camp in 2016. and um, But then my old... Uh, <laughs> addicted to stress and working hard ways caught up with me. I was running a big company in Perth and my yeah, horse you do run hard. me off yeah. and stood on me. I yeah. love him. <clears throat> He's trying to tell you to stand still. <laughs> <laughs> he was. It's interesting, actually. Before the accident, it was a Saturday, and my <clears throat> the people of the company that I worked for called me. And I should never have answered the call on Saturday. And they were <laughs> oh, asking a whole pile of things. They were in yeah. Melbourne running an event. And I got all, you know, I was like, oh. So I got into work mode and got on my horse. And he passaged. And if you're a horse person, yeah. that means they basically prance on the spot. And so he was really stressed. And I said, I can work it through this. And I should have got off. And I, and I didn't. And um, my own fault, he flung me. And then he stood on me. And so from that moment on, we now know we didn't know that set the MS off again. So I had instant um, loss of sensation down both legs. And we just assumed it was the riding accident. But we now know in MS that uh, major falls and traumas and head injuries will 
caused something called the cell danger response and it reset off that autoimmune inflammatory response. And I went from having one or two um, spinal cord lesions to I've got uh, over 30 lesions in my spinal cord. And the spinal cord is so little, it's not like the brain where you've got more of a um, network and a blood flow and you're rewiring those neural pathways. So it's much harder to heal lesions in the spinal cord. For sure. And even if you get... You know, I've got patients with three lesions that are in wheelchairs um, because it's such a small um, surface area that you get reduction in connectivity of um, nerve conduction down there and, of course, you're far more likely to end up with um, debilitating symptoms. And you know all this and you've got 30 along your spine. I do. The neurologists don't quite understand why I'm still upright and walking, but I am, so that's good. (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I can't, couldn't walk into Everest Base Camp anymore, but I can still walk my dog and ride my horse and ride my bike. And, so what was the um, um, change around, darling? Because I know you've got an incredible mindset. So um, obviously, you know, team leader for Dr. Joe, so that plays a, mm-hmm. a significant uh, transformation experience. So let's go into that. Yeah, what? look, I think for me, the thing that I had to overcome was that I was, and you mentioned it right at the beginning, but I was addicted to stress. I was uh, absolutely addicted to getting my self-worth and my self-importance through being busy. External. If you asked me two, three years ago, what are you doing, Fiona? I was so busy. And that, for me, was, meant I was productive and that I was contributing to the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've got all my self-worth through that. And it's interesting treating patients. I have so many amazing <laughs> patients that come in and get a diagnosis and they quit work. And I just... For the longest time, I'd scratch my head around that. But I look at them and I'm like, they're amazing because they take a stand for themselves. They go, my health is far more important than a job. And so, and they take time off to heal. And that's something I've really, up until the last couple of years, I'd never done. So, What were you resisting that for? What do you think you were uh, resisting that for? Was that in great? Do you think that was a template that um, was anchored into your brain? Yeah, Absolutely. It was uh, self-worth mainly about being worthy and I didn't feel worthy to take time off I it really took me three years and it was really doing a lot of you know work and you know um, Dr. Joe work and and others that are in that space of realizing that um, you don't (laughs) you don't have to get your your self-worth is like self-worth you know it comes from inside Mm, not mm. from actually doing stuff on the outside But we're all indoctrinated to think that it comes externally, you know, from an early age, yeah. We are. We all told that, you know, that your worthiness comes from how you contribute to the world Mm. and it doesn't, self-worth is just that itself. And the feedback comes back externally normally, you know, we're trying to validate ourselves from that external, um, you know, feedback system. Yep, absolutely, and that that was me, and that, and you know, Dr. Joe would use the words, I was addicted to hormone <laughs> yeah. stress, I absolutely was, I was just used I to love being him, yeah. jacked yeah. up on stress hormones, <laughs> yeah. and it was actually, it was, you know, like, up until COVID, COVID has helped a little bit, I mean, I had decreased my work hours, but I was still travelling around as a team leader, I was out of the country for two months of every, sorry, yeah. two weeks of every month, I'd yeah. go overseas, do an event, come back, see patients, go overseas, and while I was meditating and everything all that time, I was still a little bit in a stress loop. And it's been not having that and being, I just see patients two days a week and then I meditate and I've got a much better life balance now. And it gave me the time to sit down and really do some of the inner work I've been avoiding. And the big thing for me was feeling like if I didn't, uh, contribute to our household or work as much that I wasn't valued or I yes, wasn't definitely. valuable. And that, yes. It's such a made up, I mean, it's just totally in your head, right? You just, I just completely made that up. But that was, that was the biggest thing for me. And I mean, I work hard on my health. You know, I, being a naturopath, you know, the diet comes naturally. Um, <clears throat> being with Dr. Joe, the meditation comes naturally. But I'm at the gym three or four days a week and I work with a neurophysio and I rehab every day and I have an e-stim on my legs every day. Like I, I work hard at it. But my husband and I had this conversation last night. I'm a huge believer that the body is our way. It, it, symptoms are a communication from our body most when we're definitely. ignoring it. Yeah, most definitely. And it was, yeah, and that's, I had. I'm good at ignoring. I'm. I'm a real. I've got a really <laughs> the strong signals, sense yeah, of will. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm really strong-minded and that play, that's helped me. I'm sure that's why I'm still walking around. And that's funny because at uni we always used to talk about the emotional links to disease. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and like I say, it's that I'm strong-willed so I'm still upright but I think me ignoring some of my body messages um, have slowed my healing journey down. In saying that, I know I'm doing a good job. I've just got these massive expectations of being able to go back and climb Mount Everest and compete yeah, you do. at uh, you do. Olympic you... level on my horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your but, turnaround, though, um, about meditation when you were in one of Dr. Joe's um, classes overseas. Mm. There was a big turnaround. Oh, I, yeah. What happened I there? Massive, I had a mystical experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was in a Cancun event. We were doing a four-hour long meditation at four o'clock in the morning and we were Dr. Does he always get people break. up at four o'clock? You know, oh, is that the best? <laughs> yeah. We've got a ballroom of a thousand yeah, I know. people meditating together. It's crazy. <laughs> and the energy of just a thousand people meditating that together is, is like amazing. nothing else. But he does his breath work and the breath work is to activate the pineal gland, which and is the that DMT. gland that yeah. they yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's five metabolites that that uh, pineal gland releases. And I remember doing the breath and I remember feeling that, and I'd never had a sense of this before, and it sounds a little woo-woo, and I'm, I'm scientific, but I remember feeling the middle of my brain start to vibrate. Oh, yeah. And I remember feeling one of the metabolites that that uh, pineal gland will release is a very strong benzodiazepine. Yes, yes. And, it, it, um, <laughs> and I felt like someone had drugged me. I remember thinking, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking I couldn't think. The thought was, oh, wow. Yeah, I can't see. <laughs> Couldn't even string a sentence together. And then I had what they call the DMT experience. I had a, I saw a massive kaleidoscope yeah, yeah, uh, when my vision changed. Yeah. And I went right through the middle of it. And then I remember seeing what I would ex- uh, explain as my coherence field and aura, whatever anyone wants to call it. There's this golden light around me and it was made of plasma. And um, I now know quite a bit about plasma. But it was a field like a jelly and I was think I remember thinking, oh, everybody's got one of these. And in that moment, <laughs> I totally understood how it worked. And a hand came over and touched the outside of it, and the whole thing vibrated, and I disintegrated into about a million different pieces. And I mean, I've always, you and I used to talk about this at uni. I always know there's so much more to life than what mm-hmm. our visual perception yes, yes. allows us to see. But that was an experience where it wasn't like I was dreaming. I was. It was as real as talking to you now. Well, our five senses are very limited, aren't they? Our five senses are really, if you look at the light scale, they're very um, limited in what we can actually see on that light scale. And I think, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I think, does he talk about those crystal metabolites that we've got on our brain now that science is actually validated? Yeah, science has actually validated that now. Yeah, and it's... I mean, yeah, so that, that um, you have rhomboid crystals sitting inside your pineal gland that act as a radio receiver yeah, and so using yeah. the breath and pushing the cerebral spinal yeah, fluid up yeah, into that yeah, third ventricle it. and pushing yeah, pressure yeah, against it. Yeah, yeah. It acts, it vibrates and it acts and then it pulses and you get this um, the pulse going yeah. out. So your brain acts as a radio receiver. It's beautiful. So beautiful. You're tuning into other realms of, as you say, things that we cannot perceive maybe naturally with our five senses. So that was a pretty massive, that's when I realised that I really loved meditation and there was just so much to that. You can't unsee it. Once you see something like that, you can't unsee it. You know that there's something more about our world, about yourself, about, you know that. Yeah, and that's when I realised that, and you know, you're talking about overcoming adversity, right? And that's when I realised to the core of me that adversity occurs in the mind, that adversity is a perception and that I have, you know, I can see my life and the challenges that I have around my health as an adversity, but that's just one way of perceiving our reality. Other people look at me, and I know this because I get feedback from clients, that (laughs) they wouldn't perceive my life as adverse. You know, I've got, I love what I do as work. I've got a good marriage I've got I'm still very active 
I can still step like my patients in wheelchairs would look at me and go, "Well, you not, you don't have adversity." And so I realise it's all that's difficult for you too, as well. You know, because sometimes I mean, you don't feel like being your best version. You know, but but they have expectations of you. So every experience of adversity is designed to help us obviously become better versions of ourselves. And I know that in you, I've seen that. I've seen your path, and you just get, you just put the bar higher and higher. You really do. Um, oh, you've really taken responsibility you're... for your life and your circumstances are and, and I think you're better able to embrace the hard times you know that life can bring because of that and so it looks like to you that you don't have adversity do you know what I mean? Yeah yeah and I think that's you know that's for anyone going through adversity you know it's it, and it sounds I know when you're in the middle of it it's really hard to see beyond the forest from the trees but it it, it is just a mindset and, and pain is something that is real but suffering is a choice and so you know like it, I heard this great saying last night if you fall into the river it's not the falling in the river that kills you it's been immersed in water and it's the same oh, with adversity yeah, yes. the adversity won't kill you it's been immersed in it and suffering and choosing to become a victim of your circumstance yeah, yeah, and forms, we yeah. all have choice around that like that that is a choice that we make and you watch some of these people that are I don't know if you've seen the movie um, Magpie, Magpie Bloom. Have yeah, you seen that yeah. great mm-hmm. movie about... Yeah. You know, and she... I think that was one that you um, told me to watch as well. I don't know. It's a fairly new one. It's a story about the woman that fell off the balcony. True story. Fell off the balcony in Thailand and became mm. a paraplegic. Yeah. And, you know, she's now um, kayaking for the Australian yeah. Paralympic team. Amazing. And it's like, it really is... It's a choice. And so... I, Every time I feel like I might feel a bit sorry for myself, I remind myself that it's a choice. Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> one of those resilient people that you're always looking for opportunities in, in adversities and hard times. I know that. Your mindset is yeah. wired that way. And, and you know what Dr. Joe says, you know, that our neurotransmitters double, you know, according to, to what you're thinking. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you're always looking for opportunities in adversities and hard times, imagine what you are inside, just having the way you think. I mean, <laughs> absolutely amazing that you are absolutely amazing now um how has <clears throat> how has that uh change or the result of that experience changed your life uh the meditation experience or having ms yeah having ms um i tend to not take things for granted anymore um and i'm really a lot better at celebrating the small wins I'm also a lot less emotional about life. And it's funny, you're the third person um, tonight who've said that, celebrating the small wins and, and being grateful yeah. for the small things. Yeah. I think, you know, we all know the power of gratitude. And if you read any of that stuff, yeah. it's that attitude of gratitude. And, and so I am definitely grateful for the small things. And the not being emotional about life, I don't get knocked off my centre. It takes a lot to knock me out of my truth and what I know now. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm not as um, vulnerable to other people's opinions. You have belief in yourself. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. If I know a truth for myself, you can't really talk me out of that. It doesn't mean I'm not teachable. I won't listen to others. But if I know something to be true for me, mm-hmm. um, then I'm much better at sticking to that stuff and honoring what's right for me. Yeah. That, that would be a, definitely a big thing. Totally um, I've gotten great. a lot better at that. Being yeah. a previous and a recovering people pleaser, that's yeah. a big one for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, you must be an IS, I reckon. But um, yeah, I like that too. You know, you've actually got that belief in yourself and because of your reality. We've got so many different realities due to our experiences, but you don't always have to follow the narrative. You've got to believe in your reality and what it is, you know, and take real courage yeah. um, in that. So look, there's a lot of people probably listening that maybe have MS or MT, HFR um, and um, genetic expressions and these are all what you're actually really good at overcoming so where can people find you um, you say they can to head find to my to, website you're not on Facebook anymore so. I'm not on Facebook I <laughs> good move I've got, a, I've got a sneaky profile on there for work but um, it's under a different name but no I um, I'm. you can head to my website wellnessguru.com.au or we I wasn't going to say anything a, I'll let you say it just in case yeah. I said the wrong thing <laughs> We also have our kidney program if people have kidney disease. We've got a big kidney program out there, which is kidneycoach.com. Yeah, he's great too, yeah. 
Yeah, so we just launched our new supplement company. So oh, all great. That's, um, oh, what's that? And that one too. What's that one? Genesis. So okay. That yeah. is, it's on kidneycoach.com, but that is for, it's specifically designed for people with kidney disease. Okay, so great. That literally yeah. launched two weeks ago. That's, right. We're very excited about yeah. that. So if they want to make an appointment with you? Oh, yeah. They can, if they go to wellnessguru.com, they can book online, yep. or you can call the clinic in Eltham, which is my chiropractic, and the amazing yes, I noticed front that. Yeah. can help you. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a wealth of knowledge. Always fantastic talking to you. It's like talking to you in a library. It's you absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's always been, yeah, you had so much value to everyone's life. Thank you so much for being in this world with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. God bless All you. Right. You're such a beautiful soul. Enjoy where you are too. I can't tell people just in case the clients go and follow you, but enjoy where you are. It's absolutely fantastic there. Um, and enjoy oh, yeah, the sun. sunshine. <laughs> fantastic. All right. Great. Always talking to you, Fiona. Take care and we'll talk to you soon. I look forward to Love it. Love you Thank lots. You. Okay. Take care. Love you Bye-bye. Too. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's uh, Fiona Gray. So we've had... Uh, so uh, great three ladies that we heard from tonight that obviously overcame adversity and turned it into opportunity. And you're listening to 3ABR, The Wellness Couch, and I'm Katarina Morrison, your host, and we'll talk to you next week. Have fun. Bye-bye.